0: Well, as Donnie said, over the last several weeks, we've been focusing on the book of Acts, and we're going to do it one more time this morning. We're going to look at the book of Acts. So if you don't have a Bible, uh, I invite you to raise your hand. One of the ushers will give you one. You can keep that if you need a Bible, or if you just want to borrow it this morning, you can return it at the back when you're finished. One thing that has really stood out to me as we've gone through this study of the book of Acts is that these people that we've been talking about They're just regular, ordinary, everyday people just like you and me. But when they chose to follow Christ, God did amazing and extraordinary things through them. The Holy Spirit empowered these simple uneducated fishermen and tax collector types rich people poor people women men they were enabled to do things far greater than they could ever done on their own and they were able to serve one another and love one another in a way that made such an amazing impact god used these regular ordinary everyday people just like you and me, and he began in them an unstoppable mission that continues on today, over 2,000 years later. When you look at that, when you look at the early church, you might think, wow, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be courageous and influential, I wish I could be part of something bigger than myself, part of something that will live on after I'm gone. Well, if that's what you've been thinking, I have great news for you this morning. The very same power that was given to those people back in the book of Acts is available to you and me today. So what's the secret? What is it that, that allowed these you know, ordinary, regular people to do these extraordinary things? We've taken a good close look at them. We've looked at how they lived. We saw that they ate together, they pulled together, they served together, they shared things together together. And they made it a priority to gather together and to learn together. It was like they were sponges just soaking up God's truth. They loved to get together and learn from God's Word. And I never got the feeling that their faith was kind of like an add-on to their life. It wasn't like they were saying, okay, I'll give one hour a week, most weeks, to to doing this faith thing. No, it was never like that. It was never like they, they... constricted it to that little bit of time. Instead, they ordered their life around their faith. They didn't just try to fit their faith into their life, but their whole life was ordered around their faith because their faith in Jesus Christ was the most important thing. And as we read through the book of Acts, we see that a key component in the life of these people is that they prayed, prayer played a very important part in everything they did. You know, a lot of these people had physically walked with Jesus. They they lived when he lived, and now he wasn't physically with them anymore, but that didn't keep them from talking to him. They continued to communicate with him by praying for him, praying to him. They kept the lines of communication open. Prayer was foundational in the lives of the people who made up the early church. We see it right at the beginning in Acts 1.14. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. The next chapter says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they considered prayer to be as important as eating. So for them, prayer was more than just a religious ritual. It was more than just an obligation or an afterthought. Prayer was a way of life, and it wasn't just something the leaders did. Did you notice what it said? It says they all joined together constantly in prayer. It says they were devoted. I looked up the Greek word to make sure that I knew what that meant to be devoted, and it's just what you think. They were devoted to it. They gave their steadfast attention to prayer. You know, when you're devoted to something, you make time for that. You make sure that there is time in your schedule. You make sure you have enough money. You make sure that you get there when you're devoted to something. And these people were devoted to prayer. So they gathered together, they learned together, they ate together, and they prayed together. And as opposition to the message of Christ was increasing, it became all the more important for God's people to stay in contact with Him through prayer. They trusted God, they believed Jesus, they depended on the Holy Spirit, and then their faith was strengthened by their constant communication with God through prayer. And this gave them unstoppable courage. And it's a good thing because what they were teaching what they were preaching, what they were living out, this salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, this was not popular. The Roman government did not like it. The old religious system did not like it. So this was not a popular thing. It flew in the face of, of what was prevailing in the culture. So persecution began to ramp up and began to grow rapidly. And this group of Christ followers found themselves really in a place of danger. Those who stood up for the message of Christ had to be brave. They had to be bold as a lion. This was not a time for scaredy cats. You know, thinking about being scared and cats reminds me of a story from when our boys were growing up. We have three sons and one day, our sons found this family of kittens living in the storm drain in our cul-de-sac, and you know the scenario. They were so sweet, and they brought these little kittens, and they're like, "Mom, can we keep them? We promise we'll take care of them." But because I'm allergic to cats, I had to categorically refuse. And but you know what? Just because I'm allergic doesn't mean I'm heartless. So I didn't think that you know abandoning these little kittens was anything to sneeze at. So um, you know, I, I looked at our boys and. The boys got really attached to the kittens, and as you can see from this picture, the kittens got really attached to our boys. That boy may or may not be your sound man this morning, may or may not be, but you know the boys really loved them, but we had to find good homes for them, so that took a little while. Well, during this time, our neighbor had to travel from Wake Forest to the mountains to visit her parents one day, and when she got back from that trip, she said, you will never believe what happened. I got to the other side of Greensboro, and I stopped for gas, and when I got out of the car, I heard this scratching noise underneath the hood of my car, and she said, I opened it up, and there was one of those kittens. Now, can you imagine? Just think about that kitten's day, right? One minute, he's taking a cat nap in the engine of the car, you know, probably near the catalytic converter, I'm guessing, and, you know, things are good. And then the next minute, he finds himself on I-85 going 70 miles an hour, trapped in the hood of the car. That was a bad day, but... For all you cat lovers out there, just relax. The cat was okay. It had a few minor burns and probably some pretty severe emotional issues. And, you know, as far as my neighbor went, I figure, you know, that her engine was really purring that day, so she probably got more meows to the gallon on that trip. (laughs) But as the book of Acts goes on, we see that these followers of Jesus kind of had a day like that cat, you know? One minute, they're just cozied up enjoying that wonderful Christian fellowship. They're sharing stuff, they're praying, they're learning, you know, things are going so great. And the next thing they know, they're in danger of being dragged out of their houses and put in jail. They were threatened, they were told, do not speak in the name of Jesus. So what did they do? Did they organize a march on the temple? Did they try to get people to sign a petition against the Roman government? No, they didn't circulate a petition. Instead, they circled up in prayer and took their petitions to the one who could actually do something about their situation. In Acts 4.29, listen to this bold prayer that these people prayed. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Now, that is not a scaredy-cat response. You know, they didn't even pray to get out of danger. They prayed, God, make us bold in the face of danger. And if you keep on reading there in chapter 4, it says that after they prayed that prayer, their meeting place actually shook. Instead of shaking in their boots about what was going on, they were shaking the ground with bold, faith-filled prayers. And as the persecution grew, the church grew. And as the church grew, the persecution grew, and it continues and continues, and as, and as we get to Acts chapter 12, we see that King Herod himself gets involved in this persecution. Acts 12.1, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. I wanted to see who this Herod Agrippa was. You know, there are a lot of Herods. I wanted to make sure I know who was who. And I found out this guy had a very interesting family background. First of all, his grandpa killed his father. And then his uncle... Um, helped his stepdaughter, who was really his niece, long story there, but he helped her get ahead in life, literally, the head of John the Baptist, on a platter for her birthday, weird family. And this guy in Acts 12, Herod Agrippa, he was a big spender, And he actually ended up having to skip town because he racked up so much debt. Then he got put in jail because of some anti-government stuff he was spewing out when he was drunk. But in spite of all that, somehow he was able to pull some political strings and get appointed as leader over Judea and Samaria. So now he had decided to make it his mission in life to go after those bothersome Christ followers. So he had James, the brother of John, killed. And this was a huge move because this was the first of Jesus' original 12 disciples to be executed for the faith. And when Herod saw that this increased his popularity rating, he went for more Palestinian popularity points, and he decided, I'm going to put the big guns. I'm going to go for the leader. I'm going to put Peter in prison. And he put him in prison, and he put like a detachment of 16 guards in charge of him, which I thought was a bit much for this innocent fisherman-turned-preacher. But Herod had this plan that he was going to, this was the Passover time, so he was going to bring Peter out for public trial, just like Pilate had done with Jesus about 12 years earlier. And we know how that ended. Remember, the crowd said, crucify him. So things were not looking great for Peter at this point. So this was going on with Peter. So how did the church respond? Did they give up? Well, verse 5 says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, I don't think this was a quick, casual, half-hearted, obligatory prayer. In fact, I looked up the word for very earnestly. In the Greek word, it means intense and fervent. And it comes from a word that means stretched out or extended. So these folks were doing some serious praying. It wasn't like it might be today when they're like on Facebook Oh my goodness, Peter is in prison. Oh my gosh, they think he's going to be executed tomorrow. Cher, praying. Oh, no, I don't want to play Candy Crush. Oh, look at those puppies. They're surfing on the back of a dolphin. No, the people in Acts weren't distracted by stuff like that. But what what I want to get across this morning is we need to be careful that when we tell someone we're gonna pray for them, we really need to do it. And I have a deep theological statement to share with you. So if you're taking notes, you wanna write this down. You ready? Just saying you're praying isn't really praying, just saying. Right? Just because you say it doesn't mean that you're actually talking to God about it. And these folks in Acts 12 didn't just say that they were going to pray. They prayed. They earnestly, fervently, continually talked to God about Peter's situation. And Peter's situation was looking pretty hopeless at that point. It looks like he was probably spending his last night on this earth in prison, literally chained between two Roman guards, and there was no way humanly possible for him to get out of this situation. The guards were armed and powerful but we will see that the powerful arm of God was at work because you know what scripture tells us is that God is always at work for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose and even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it and even when it looks like all hope is lost God is still at work so One What we have to do then is realize that we need to talk to God about what's going on. And you might say, well, wait now. If God is at work, then why do I need to get involved? I mean, what good is it for me to talk to him about what he's doing or tell him what I hope he'll do or even tell him what I think about what he's doing? Well, one reason that we need to talk to God, one reason we need to pray is that prayer opens the door, and invites us in to be part of what God is doing. Prayer is not just an empty religious ritual. It's, it's not a magic formula. Simply put, prayer is communication with God, talking to God, listening to God, just conversation. Prayer is a way for you and me to open up our hearts to God, to share with him what's on our mind, to talk to the one who created the universe, to speak to the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. We can take our concerns to the God who not only knows what's going on, but can actually do something about it. Prayer allows us to open our hearts and lay our hopes and our dreams and our fears before God. And and when we're before God like that and our hearts are open, then God can speak to us. He can direct us. He can correct us. He can give us peace. Prayer allows God to shape our hearts and open our eyes so that we can become part of what He's doing. So that's what Peter's brothers and sisters were doing. They were pouring out their concerns and requests to God fervently in prayer. They didn't say, Peter, man, we send you good thoughts. No, they were on their knees praying for him. They were devoted to prayer. Remember, that was their way of life. They prayed when things went good. They prayed when things went bad. And things were going very badly right now. So they prayed long and hard on behalf of their brother Peter. So the people in the church were praying. What was Peter doing? Now remember, he wasn't in a state-of-the-art correctional institution where he could work out at the gym and go to the library and work on his law degree. No, he was in a dark prison cell. He was chained up to soldiers, and he was facing most probably execution the very next day. So what was Peter doing? Well, he must have been confident in the fact that his brothers and sisters were praying because when I looked to see what he was doing, I found out that Peter was sleeping. I mean, here he was ready to go to the chopping block, and he was sawing logs. He was sleeping hard because look at this in, in Acts 12:7. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, "'Get dressed and put on your sandals,' and he did. "'Now put on your coat and follow me,' the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses." It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. He was really sleeping, y'all, because I'm thinking if you're in a dark prison cell and this bright, brilliant, angelic light comes in, you know, that'd probably wake you up if you were just sleeping kind of lightly. Well, the angel it said had to kind of punch him in the side, like, dude, get up. I'm getting you out of here. And Peter was sort of like a sleepwalker. He just kind of did what the angel said, walked through, the gates just open. And it wasn't until he was all the way outside that he realized what was happening, and he realized that he was not only in the middle of the street he was right smack dab in the middle of a miracle So I know that Peter knew that his brothers and sisters were praying because it says the very next thing that he did, he went to prayer meeting. He knew right where they'd be. They'd be right down there at Mary's house and they would be praying for him. And it's kind of a comical story. What happens is he goes to Mary's house and he knocks on the door and this servant girl named Rhoda goes to the door and and when she hears Peter's voice, she gets so excited that she she doesn't even open the door. She just runs back and tells the people, Peter's at the door. And of course, those praying folks at first thought she was out of her mind loosely translated they were like girl you're crazy and they it's in there you look it's in there but they said Rhoda you know Peter he's in prison right but but she kept insisting and Peter's like hello he kept knocking and finally someone went and opened the door and there stood Peter the living breathing answer to their prayers So Peter told them what had happened, how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And you know what? It's true. God had done the work, but it was their prayers that allowed these people to be in on what God was doing. Prayer was the key that opened the door so that they could witness the power of God firsthand. Prayer is an invitation to a conversation with God that opens up our hearts and our eyes so we can see what God is doing and and it allows us to see God at work and then in turn it gives us courage to join him in his work. And really the only way to witness firsthand the answers to prayers that you have prayed is to pray and then watch for the answers. So I'm just going to ask you a really personal question. Do you pray? Or do you talk about praying? Have you ever had this experience where someone shares something with you and you say, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you? And then you see them two or three days later, and you're like, I totally forgot to pray for them. Well, you know, earlier I was kind of referring to how these things can be a big distraction. There's actually an app called Echo Prayer that you can put on your phone. When someone gives you a prayer request, you can put it in your phone, and randomly it will pop up a reminder for you to pray for that person. So this can be used for good as well. I have a friend who's very careful to pray for people when she says she's going to, and And I've even had this experience with her. If you ask her to pray for you, she's going to do it. And she's going to do it right then and there in the canned food aisle at the Kroger, if need be. She is going to pray for you because she takes very seriously her promise to pray. So she does it right then and there. My husband and I have a a couple of friends, this couple that we've known for years. And when we get together, of course, we share what's going on in our lives and our kids' lives. And typically, more often than not, we end our time together praying together about what we've talked about. Sometimes we kneel down by the couch or we sit across a table and we just talk to God about what it is that's going on in our lives. And I'll be honest, the first couple times we did that, it was awkward because you just don't do that with everybody, right? But I have come to so rely on that and it's become such an important part of our friendship. And it shouldn't be awkward at all. You know, I mean, it's good for us to share what's going on in our lives with each other, but how much more beneficial it is, after we've shared that, to actually take those things in front of Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, who can actually do something about it. Prayer gives us the opportunity to invite God into our situation. God has unlimited power and nothing is impossible for him. And if prayer really is the key that opens the door for us to see the power of God at work, do you think that maybe the reason we don't see so many miracles right now is that we maybe are spending more time talking about things or griping about things or worrying about things than we are actually praying about things? Prayer doesn't have to be fancy. Don't think you have to include a lot of these and thous and sound all spiritual. Prayer is just talking to God. You can think your prayers. You can speak your prayers. You can write your prayers. You can pray when you're washing dishes. You can pray when you're running or when you're driving. Just pray. And if I believe if we will take the time to pray, we will begin to see God moving in miraculous ways. We are invited to be a part of what God is doing, just like those people back in Acts were. Prayer opens the door and invites us to witness firsthand the power of God at work. And sometimes he even uses us, the prayers, to accomplish his purposes. The very same God who answered the prayer of those believers back in the book of Acts. The very same God who broke those chains in that prison cell that night is the very same God that invites us to bring our situation to him. He can still break chains. He can break chains of addiction and abuse and hopelessness and despair. If you are in the middle of a hopeless situation right now, pray take it to God, he can bring you out of that prison of hopelessness and he can do amazing things in your life. No matter how bad things look, the answer to your prayer might just be on the other side of the door. Prayer opens the door and invites us to be a part of what God's doing. I encourage all of us to invite God into our situations and watch and see what he'll do. Let's pray right now. God, I thank you that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. I thank you that you are the same God who did these amazing things 2,000 years ago, and your power has not diminished in the least. So I pray right now on behalf of anyone in this room who might be in chains to an addiction or a a bad relationship. I pray for the person who feels like they've been trapped in a place they never wanted to be. Lord, I ask that you will work mightily in their life. Open their eyes so they can see you at work. I pray that you will do amazing things in them and through them. God, remind us to pray. Remind us that you're there with us. And I thank you that you let us speak to you about anything and everything that concerns us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.